0: To the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. you have a Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter 7 this morning. Matthew chapter 7. It's good to see each of you, especially if you are a first time guest. We want to welcome you. My name is Jared, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm thrilled to death that you chose to be with us uh, this Sunday morning. We know you could have been anywhere, and the fact that you are here, uh, we do not take lightly. Our hope is that you will go from feeling like guests uh, to feeling like a part of our family, and we'll talk about at the end of this service how uh, you can uh, begin to um, do that. So you are catching us in uh, the very last sermon of the sermon series that we are Uh, We've entitled The Real Jesus, and and let me just congratulate you if this is the first time you've been here for this series, because look around. All these other people have been patiently walking through the Sermon on the Mount, and you're going to get the summary of the sermon all in just about 30 minutes. So you didn't have to sit through uh, everything. um, uh, But here's what we've been discovering, basically, is as we're walking through the Sermon on the Mount, which is the only perfect sermon ever preached, preached by Jesus... Uh, we're discovering that Jesus is not who we thought he was. Uh, what we're discovering is he's way better than we ever imagined. Uh, we're discovering uh, together that he is better than the Jesus of our heads. He's better than the Jesus that, that our Sunday school teacher told us about. He, he, he's better than what the world says. The real resurrected King Jesus, uh, he is worth giving our lives to. Um, and one way that you know that you've met the real Jesus is, is this. If you look in, in Matthew 7, verse 28, this is after Jesus has preached a sermon, and, and trust me, we're going to come back through Matthew 7. But, but at the very end of it, look how people responded in Matthew chapter 7, verse 28. It says, when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished. The crowds were astonished. That, the word for astonished there does not mean that when Jesus got done, they were kind of like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty neat. No, that they were they were they were thunderstruck. That's what this means. That they were absolutely shocked. They were blown away by what Jesus had just said. And one way that you can know that you have met the real Jesus, that you understand His teaching, is that you do not remain emotionally unmoved when you meet the real Jesus. He he changes your life. You are amazed. By him. You're shocked by him. And so, a question I would ask every single one of you this morning is this though I stand in front of a crowd, I stand in front of a crowd of individuals, and, and let me just ask you personally are you amazed by Jesus? Does he amaze you? Are, you? are you shocked by just how scandalous and how good his grace is? If not, listen, listen, you have not met the real Jesus yet. I promise you, you still are settling for a Jesus of your head, a a religious Jesus, a weak Jesus, a Jesus that is not alive and is totally useless to you. And my prayer this morning is that things change for you, that this might finally be the morning for some of you where you meet the real Jesus and that you see that he is a treasure chest of joy that, that is. he is better than your stuff. He's better than anything else in the world, and he alone is worth surrendering your entire life to. Matthew chapter 7 is where we are, and we're going to pick up in verse 13, and we're going to read all the way down to verse 27. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and Those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are are grapes gathered from bushes or, or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and and, and we did all sorts of mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Let's pray one more time. Father, help us to believe these words. Help us to not only believe them, but to absorb them. I I pray that through the power of your Spirit that you take the teaching of the real Jesus, and that you drive these words into our heart, that you open our eyes to see Jesus as he really is. I pray that you change us from the inside out this morning. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen. The first time that I ever drove to Memphis, Tennessee by myself was when I was 18 years old. I was a freshman in college, and uh, I'll never forget it. uh, This was the day before you had a GPS on your cell phone. Uh, Some of you really youngins in here don't remember that, but, but you know that you had a phone that was legit if it just had the game Snake on it right? And, and, and then you bought some text messages if you really, you know, had a good plan. And so um, if you wanted to get from one place to another and, and, and you were kind of directionally challenged like myself, you would either look at a map, imagine that, or you would, uh, you would get on MapQuest or something like that and print off directions, which is what I would do. And so I would get on MapQuest and I typed in where we're starting and where we're going to end. And we were actually going to the New Daisy in Memphis to watch my buddies play a concert there. And so uh, printed off the directions. I just kind of skimmed them. And then I thought, okay, it's like three turns. I got this, folded up the, the directions and put it in my, my pocket. And uh, I took off with my girlfriend at the time, uh, my buddy and his girlfriend as well. And so we take off to Memphis. Everything's going well. I feel like we're on the way to New Daisy. Uh, but but as we get going, I realize, you know, we were supposed to be there in like an hour and a half. It's been like an hour and 45 minutes. Things are starting to look a little bit shady. Uh, we're probably uh, uh, not heading where we need to be going but 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 you know i'm a dude and people in the trucks like maybe we should stop and ask for directions it's like nah, i got this you know And so like we're still like we're, we're heading the right way but eventually i swallow my pride and i decide to stop uh, at a gas station on crump boulevard and uh and uh <laughs> ask for ask for directions and so this is like seven o'clock at night it's december it's dark i pull over get out of the truck with my buddy and let me just kind of give you some context uh i'm 175 pounds in college, my freshman year, I was the same height, but I was 135 pounds. True story. It's not that funny. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, uh, 40 pounds lighter. Uh, I'm wearing a sweater vest from Abercrombie & Fitch, okay? And I get out of the truck. Uh, my buddy's with me, and we are met by about four dudes that come up to me. And the first thing out of their mouth is he looks at me and he says, Hey, man, you got any weed? And I was like, uh, this is not going to be good. And I'm like, no, I actually don't have any weed." And he goes, well, what are you doing here? I was like, I'm here to get directions. And he said, oh, okay, okay. He said, well, come with me. Uh, he said, where are you wanting to go? And I said, well, I'm going to the New Daisy. And he said, I'll show you how to get there. Come with me behind the gas station. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. Uh, like, I'm not from the hood, but I've seen enough movies. You know, you don't go in an alleyway at night with somebody giving you directions. And so I'm like, no, man, that's cool. Like, I'm just going go to go the gas station. He puts his hand on my chest, and he just says straight up, like, how much money you got? And I was like, I don't have any, which was a lie. Don't judge me. I wasn't a Christian then. But, like, I was like, none, which had, like, $50 on me. And my buddy just freaks at me. He's like, yeah, I got $100. And I pulls out his wallet. Here, here, take it, take it, take it. And the guy looks at me, and he's like, what about in your truck? I know you got something in there. And I was like, yeah, actually, I do. I got some change. So that's, like, that's smart. Lead them back to the girls, right? And so it's like, come with me. And so... We go into the truck, and I pull a move that was just phenomenal. Um, it was like, I, I get into the truck, and I begin to think, okay, look, what can I do to get out of the situation? So I grab my little change bucket out of the console. I hand it to him, and in the process of handing it to him, I grab my door on the way back, shut it, lock it, and then we take off, right? And so fortunately, what should have been a really, really, really bad situation, uh, I got out of with only losing eighteen, right? And I still had my life, Okay. But but here's why I tell that story. I was convinced, I was convinced because I had looked at a map that I knew where I was going. And I was pretty sure I was heading the right direction. But in the end, I ended up in a place that I never planned on being and it should have been something that actually could have ended in my destruction or my death. And in this passage today, Jesus says, spiritually speaking, there are many, many people who think they're on the right path right now they've looked at the map i mean they've read the bible and they feel like they know where they are going but in the end he says the path that you were on though many people are on it the traffic is flowing that way everything it's going to end in destruction jesus says again if you look in verse 13 for the gate is wide and is easy that leads to destruction Right? There are many people that are going to come through this gate. It's going to seem very obvious, like the obvious choice. It's going to seem common. It's going to seem okay. But in the end, he says it's going to destroy you. And then there's another gate that he says is actually difficult for people to enter into for whatever the reason. It's narrow, and few people will enter through this gate. But in the end, he said it leads to what? It leads to life. And let me just stop here for a second and say this is the point of Christianity. Some of you have have grown up hearing that the main message of Christianity is you suck. You're a sinner. So try harder. Be better. Good news. That's not the main message of Christianity. The main message is this. Yes, you are born dead in your sins. Yes, you are deserving of hell. But now you can have life. Like that's the point. And not just like, oh, life, like, like deep life, like, like true life, abundant life, meaningful life, the life that you are actually longing for and maybe don't even know it. That's great news, but the bad news is, he says, few people are going to find this. Think about that. Look at this room. He'd say, many are going to find the broad path, and it's going to lead to destruction. And a few of you are going to find the narrow path, right? The narrow interest that leads to life. And so I think it seems like a logical question for us to, to ask ourselves and try to answer today is how can I know if I'm on the broad path, right? Uh, let's not assume that you're on the narrow path, right? I think that's, that's a pretty good idea based off of Jesus' word, saying like a lot of you think you're on it, but you're not on it. So... so So how can we know which gate, which entrance we have come into? And let me tell you how I've heard this sermon preached in the past. I've heard preachers get up and they read this text and they say, well, clearly the people on the narrow path that leads to life are those who are the most disciplined, spiritually speaking. Those who are on the path that leads to life are those who just work harder than everybody else. They're the ones who clearly are more spiritual than everyone else. They're the ones who vote the right way. They're the ones who give money to uh, the church. They're the ones who serve the poor. They are the ones right, who, who, who read their Bibles daily. Clearly, that must be the ones that are on the path that leads to life. And, of course, those that are on the path of destruction are the immoral people. They're the people who, who don't want to follow the Ten Commandments. All right? They're the people who live undisciplined lives. They're the people who don't read their Bibles daily. They're those who, who don't give to the church or don't serve the poor. And that seems to make a lot of sense, doesn't it? But is this really what Jesus is saying? You see, whenever you try to understand a passage, let me give you some uh, some, some wisdom here that's been passed on to me. When you, when you try to read a text and you want to understand what its meaning is, you need to make sure that you put the passage in its proper context. When you pull passages out of context is when you get heresy and when you get led astray on Crump Boulevard, right? Spiritually speaking. And so what we need to remember context-wise is, first off, this passage is a part of a sermon. And it's a sermon that is coming to its conclusion. Okay, why is that important? Because here's why. Why? Any good communicator knows that you don't say a bunch of stuff, and then when you come to your conclusion, you say something totally new. Does that make sense? Like, if I'm preaching a sermon on parenting, I'm not going to say, oh yeah, and by the way, make sure you get your oil changed this week. Or make sure you have your pet spayed and neutered. Like, you're going to be like, well, that's weird. Like, that does have to do with anything he just said over the last 30 minutes. Jesus is not an idiot. He's not a terrible communicator. He's coming to the conclusion of his sermon, and he is just simply trying to summarize and clarify the whole point he has been trying to make in the Sermon on the Mount. So that's the first thing we need to remember about the context of this passage. The second thing we need to remember is the audience that Jesus is speaking to. And filled in the audience is a bunch of people like us. A bunch of very religious people. The people who love the Lord enough to get up early on a Sunday morning and come to a cinema and listen to some preaching and sing a few songs. Uh, The field in this audience that Jesus is speaking to are the people who are going to take the culture back for God. But they're people who believe that what matters more than the condition of their heart is their outward behavior. They are people who believe that one day they will be in heaven because they live incredibly disciplined lives with tons of religious activities and duties. And right out of the gate, if you remember back in Matthew chapter 5, I think it's verse 3, Jesus says, I'm going to blow up this way of thinking. Right out of the gate, Jesus, when he starts a sermon, he says in Matthew 5, verse 3, Blessed are, happy are, fortunate are the poor in spirit. Jesus there is not talking about a physical poverty He's talking about a a poverty of the heart. He's saying, blessed are they, happy are they who come to an awareness that even on my best days, I don't impress God. There are people who realize I am spiritually bankrupt before the creator of the universe. I have nothing in myself to offer him. He says, you are the ones who in the end will be blessed. You are the ones who in the end will inherit the kingdom of God. And then Jesus just continues to build off this idea through his sermon. That's why he comes to a portion in his sermon and he says, hey, uh, some of you really religious people, you think you're legit because you've never physically killed anybody. But if you've ever even had anger in your heart, you're guilty of murder before God. Some of you think you're hot stuff because you've never actually physically cheated on your spouse. And so you pat yourself on the back and say, look how faithful I am. But I want you to know if you've ever even had lust in your heart towards somebody else, you're guilty of adultery. It's why he continues to roll on in his sermon, and he he eventually says, "Hey, uh, hey, hey! Look at here! Look here! Look at all these religious people." He says, "Look at them. They pray, they give, and they fast." I don't want you to do it like they do it. Pray and fast and give, but make sure you do not do it like the religious people are doing it. So, so what is Jesus saying? Well, all through his sermon, what he is saying is, "Look, there are two different roads." One that leads to life and one that leads to death. And here's what's scary. The people on the road of destruction and on the road of life, they don't look any different on the outside. He says in here, right, that the people on the path that are leading to destruction, right, are not just the bad people. And the people on the path that are leading to life is not just the good people. So, so throw that away. If that's where you are, if that's what you're banking on right now, I'm on the good path because I pray, because I read my Bible, because I'm a nice husband or a nice wife, throw it away. Because Jesus said, that's not what I am talking about here. And we know that from what he's already said in his sermon. And we also know it because what he says next. Look in verse 15. He says, beware of the false prophets who come in in sheep's clothing but emerly are ravenous wolves. Now the church is known as the sheep, right? Jesus is the great shepherd. We are his sheep, and so here's what Jesus just said: Beware of the people who are going to come in and look like Christians, act like Christians, smell like Christians, talk like Christians. The people who are going to look very virtuous and very moral, but on the inside, they're dead. There's something much different going on. And then look at the metaphors he begins to give after that. He, he talks and he says you're going to recognize these people by their fruits. He gives an example of two trees. He says there's one tree, and it's a good tree, and it bears good fruit. But then there's a diseased tree, and the diseased tree will always bear bad fruit. And by the way, when you think about bad, the word for it there does not mean disfigured. It just means poisoned. So again, the trees have the same leaves. The fruit even looks the same, but on the inside, something's different. And then he comes on, and he talks about the houses here. And he says there's also the, the, there's going to be these two houses and, and they're going to look the same. Uh, they're going to they're both be attractive, but there's something different below the surface. One of the house will be built on sand and it will collapse eventually. And the other one is going to be built on the rock and it will stand the test of time. So, so Jesus here is using these metaphors and then look right here at I think one of the scariest passages in the Bible. Right in the middle of these metaphors, we find verse twenty one and following. And Jesus says something right here that I'll be honest, like I, I preach each week. I've multiplied missional communities, I've got a master's in theology, and even this past week, like man, it, it convicted me, and I just had to stop and say, whew, like, am I on the path of life? And I would just say this morning, like you would be a fool to assume you're on the right path, especially here on what we're about to hear right here. Jesus says this in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That verse, let me just stop here and say this side note, that verse right there should be enough for you to stop telling your kids, just pray this prayer and you'll go to heaven, right? Just pray this prayer. Just say, Lord, Lord. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at Jesus, okay? This is his words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and, and, and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Who is on the path of destruction? Who is it? Who is the one that has fruit that looks good, but it's actually poison fruit, and in the end you'll be cut down and thrown into the fire? Who is the one that has a house that looks very attractive? Maybe it's a house you would even want to move into. Like they've built up this really impressive life, but it's actually they are sitting on sand, and in the end, it's all going to fall in on you. And here's where it gets scary. Because the first thing we know about these people is they are people who call Jesus Lord. And not only do they call him Lord, they call him Lord, Lord, which is an emotional response. It'd be like, oh, Megan, Megan, to my wife, like, like Lord, Lord. Jesus is, is Lord. these are, the people on the broad path are not just your atheists who are trying to stick it to God. The people on the broad, the broad path believe that God is divine. They believe right here that Jesus is Lord in their heads. That's what it just said, Lord, Lord. And, and here's where it gets scarier. Not only do they believe this, but look, secondly, we know there are people who give their lives to ministry. Uh, they, they said, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? That means, did we not know the Bible and teach the Bible? I mean, we gave our lives to telling people about your law, about your word. It, it says, did we not perform miracles and cast out demons? Like, God, we liberated people, we gave our lives to ministry. And yet, Jesus looks right at him and says, Depart from me, I never knew you. And notice, and this is key, especially some of you with your backgrounds. I think this is so important. Notice Jesus didn't say, I once knew you, but now I don't know you. He's not saying, you once had salvation, now you've lost salvation. He says, no, 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 no. Depart from me, not because you've lost your salvation. Depart from me, not because you weren't good enough and didn't do a bunch of amazing things. He says, depart from me. Listen, guys, listen. Depart from me. Because I never knew you. In other words, you've got to get this this morning. Depart from me, because you never had a personal relationship with me. Did a bunch of good stuff. That's good stuff: teaching the Bible, trying to liberate people, casting out demons, doing mighty works. Where people go, wow. But here's the problem: you did a bunch of good stuff, but you did it all for the wrong reasons. You never really trusted me. You never really loved me. You never really enjoyed me when no one else is looking. Your life was filled with works but completely void of worship. Your heart was not tethered to mine. And so you see what Jesus is saying here? And this is why this should be something that's so convicting to all of us. Is there are two ways. And it's not one way is good people, one way is bad people, it's that there are two paths, and here they are. One is religious people, and one is Christians. One path that leads to destruction are the people who believe that what matters most is what they do, and then there's another path that leads to life, and it is a path that is filled with people who realize that what matters the most is what Jesus has done for them. And you see, this is why we're in this series, because if you're on the broad path, you know who you're following? You're following the religious Jesus, a fake Jesus. But if you're on the real path that leads to life, you're following the real Jesus. You trust him, you love him, you spend time with him. You don't just show up here on Sunday and check a box and then just say, I'm good, I got my Jesus fixed for the week, see you in heaven. Like, these paths, I mean, again, like, This is such a convicting passage because the 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 people on the broad path and the people on the narrow path, they look just alike on the outside. You can't tell the difference between the two. I mean, the people on the broad path serve in the nursery. Do you get do you understand what I'm saying? Like they'll write a tithe check. They want to be godly parents. Like they're people who will go on mission with their missional community. They sing, they read their Bible. But what's the difference? What's the difference between the broad path and the narrow path? The people on the broad path are doing what they do for all the wrong reasons. They don't get grace. They don't understand who God really is. They, don't, they, don't, they cannot figure out for the life of them that it doesn't matter what they do if their hearts are far from God. They, they, they cannot figure that out. The people on the broad path... You've got to hear this. Here's a way of knowing. The people on the broad path... You know what they're mainly concerned about? Here's how you know if it's you. The people on the broad path are mainly concerned about doing stuff for God just to get God off their backs. Whereas the people on the narrow path, more than them being concerned about doing stuff for God, you know what they're most concerned with? Being with God. Being with Him. Because they cannot imagine anywhere else that would be better they they love god they cherish him and jesus says these are the people that are gonna be heading to life yeah some of you 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 really believe right now and it's okay that's why we just need the holy spirit holy spirit please help us to believe these words it's like some of you right now you really believe you're going to spend eternity in heaven because you prayed a prayer you really believe that like and you're like well the pastor wrote it in my bible it says you were saved in 1991 at the vbs well so that's got to be legit because that pastor's not your judge he's not the one you're going to stand before someday some of you like you think you're legit because you're a pretty good person and everybody says you're good you think your good works is what makes you right before god and listen if that's you this morning you need to repent of your salvation and come to jesus You need to to realize you cannot be good enough for God. You can't. You will not impress him by your own works. You're not smart enough. You're not spiritual enough. Repent of trying to perform to earn acceptance before God and trust in the perfect performance of Christ on your behalf. Jesus is where your hope is, and he is all that you have. The truth is, some of you, you try to perform because you think your performance validates you before god let me just say this every time that you look to your performance to validate you before god you know what you're actually doing you're pushing yourself further from god i mean jesus even said this in matthew 21 31 i mean he says whenever you try to earn god's favor by doing the will of the father you actually push yourself further from god than the prostitutes and the pagans it is more offensive to god That you try to earn your way before him then you live as a prostitute or pagan isn't that crazy this is jesus's words and here's why god is so offended by it because ultimately when you try to when you believe this lie that i'm going to you know be accepted before god because of my good works you know what you're ultimately doing you are competing with the supremacy of christ you're saying jesus is not enough he didn't do everything that i needed and i'm going to now add more to this and Jesus says, if this is you in the text, he says, depart from me, I never knew you. I think that's astounding that that was Jesus' form of punishment. Notice that Jesus is not saying here, all right, well, it's fire and brimstone for you, buddy. Could have said that. But, but, but he focuses on this. He says, depart from me, I never knew you. Why is that? Wouldn't it have been scarier to just say, I'm going to send you to the pits of hell? you're—I mean, like, Wouldn't that be more intimidating? Depart from me, I never knew you. Why would Jesus say that? Because here's what makes hell, hell. You are separated from the grace and the mercy and the love and the goodness of the real Jesus. Your worst nightmare is to spend an eternity apart from Christ. Which means the greatest thing that could ever happen to us is to have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus for all eternity. Now, some of you don't believe that. Some of you in here, you are looking to beauty like everybody else in here. We're all looking to it. We're all looking for joy. We're all looking for peace. We're all looking for meaning. We're all looking for rest. No matter if you call yourself a Christian or not, we're all looking for it. And some of you have believed the lie that you're... That, that the creation is better than the creator. Some of you have believed the lie that this stuff that's all dying or fading away is going to somehow satisfy you more than Jesus. And what Jesus just says to you this morning is whenever you finally meet me, when you see me as I really am, you will see that I am the one you were created for. I am the one whom your soul will find rest, whom you will be filled with joy, and you will find peace in. Like, I... Here's why I planted this church. Like like I spent my life hearing someone preach the Bible. My dad was a preacher and I had to be there every time the doors were open. I heard three sermons a week. And yet I didn't become a Christian until I was 20 years old. Because here's what I believed in my heart. If you would have asked me, if you would have asked me as a five-year-old, How to get to heaven, I could have told you. I knew that Jesus could save me. The problem is, I didn't think Jesus could satisfy me. And so you know what I did? I gave my life, I built my life around other people, other things, other trinkets, other stuff that I thought would satisfy me. Jesus Christ, the real Jesus, was not the Lord of my life. And therefore, He was not, if He's not the Lord, He was not my Savior. Some of you in here, let's be honest, guys. Let's open up your wallets. Let's look at your time. Let's look at what you fantasize about and think about, and let's be honest for once. We're here. Why would you fake this? Why would you just walk out of here continuing to to believe the fairy tale that one day you're going to stand before God and say, look at all I did, and God's going to go, that's amazing. Come on in. Guys, Christ is where our hope is. And he is better. He is better than what you have ever dreamed or imagined. And my prayer this morning is that some of you finally, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will begin to believe that not just your head, but with your heart. And my prayer is this, is that you will lose your stinking religion and that you will become a Christian today. That you will stop trusting in your works and that you will trust in the work of Christ on your behalf. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter where you have been. The truth is, God is nearer to you than you think. You don't have to clean yourself up to come to Him. You don't have to get better. You don't have to try harder. You just need to look and trust that through the perfect life of Christ on your behalf and through His death, that He died for your sins to absorb the wrath of God and through His resurrection that you can find the life that you have been longing for. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Don't stand up. or I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come forward and those help them with communion. And let's just, before we, we, we shuffle our papers and all of that, let's just take an honest assessment of our heart. I know this is a heavy message, but it doesn't have to remain heavy. Jesus said, come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants you to leave here rested. He wants you to leave here filled with joy. The only way we should leave here feeling heavy and bogged down is if we know that we really are trusting in our works to make us right before God. Guys, you are making this way harder on yourselves. I pray this morning that you will stop trying to work your way into God's favor. You'll stop carrying guilt. You'll stop carrying shame. You'll stop looking to the things of the world to give you life and that you will find true life in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And this morning, if you are here, I don't care if you've been in church your entire life, none of that stuff matters. The greatest thing that you can do this morning is to just look to Jesus and say, I believe you're beautiful. I believe you're the beauty. I believe you're the joy. I believe you're the treasure that I've been seeking through my kids. I've been seeking through my money. I've been seeking through my career. I've been seeking through my good works. I've been seeking through all the things in the world and that stuff doesn't satisfy me. Jesus, I need you. You satisfy me because you bring me into a right relationship with my creator. Father, I just... I want to ask right now just that you will do that, that you'll be very gracious to us. We need you to open our eyes to see Jesus as he really is. There are people in here who have grown up incredibly legalistic. They're viewing you as a broken father who has betrayed them. They're viewing you as a legalistic youth minister who who has told them that that they're never going to be good enough. They're viewing you, uh, Father, the way the world views you. And just today we ask, Holy Spirit, that you'll be gracious to us and help us to see you as you are. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Let's stay-